This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 209 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Hands On Gloves, the all-in-one revolutionary bathing and grooming gloves. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network, and today we have two people from, well, I would say Briarfest is probably baby horses, and then we got gigantic horses that go out on the trail. So we've got Sharon Jansen and we've got Stephanie Maseko from Briarfest. This is Debbie Laux, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have my producer, Jen, with me today. Hi, Jen. Greetings, Debbie. We're getting down to the wire as we record this show. How long till the movement starts? Oh, my gosh, a week from tomorrow. Week from tomorrow. Jen, don't make me nervous. But (laughs) that means you guys are all coming, and that makes me happy. I'm really excited to see you all out here. I'm excited that you're able to pull it all off with all these hosts here, and we're going to have auditors meetups, and it's pretty cool. Pretty Pretty cool cool. stuff. Pretty cool. Never been able to pull off. Give me the names of a couple of the amazing horse persons that are going to be out at the movement. Well, our iconic partnership of Jamie Jennings and Monty Roberts. It's our fifth year running. These two are cornerstones <laughs> of the movement. And and Jamie, as host of the Horses in the Morning, is not only a Monty Roberts certified instructor and has kind of lived through that on the show with us and you, but she also got so inspired by the concepts and her training methods that just ramped up the fund for her to get these OTTBs, these off-the-track thoroughbreds that are retired and ready for a next job, next vocation. She pumped over 100 horses, I think the last two years now, each year, through her farm in Oklahoma. And we're just so proud of her. And she made the ASPCA's Trainer of the Year as part of the Right Horse Initiative program. So between her and Monty, we're going to be in the gentling pen, awed by their not only physiology. Both of them are so calm in there and they just work each other with the horses so well. But we also have our resident instructor, Simon Duenville here, and he will be helping out. Our interns will be helping out. We have uh, Hollister has been here interning, going for his certification. We even have a lovely man from Germany, Peter Schergen's son, Vincent Schergen. Peter Schergen, if you Google him, is one of the most famous jockeys that's ever lived. And his his son is going through an internship to a Godolphin Racing in Kentucky has sent him out here for a stint. So he's also here helping with the with the thoroughbred side of it too. So we've got those two guys are iconic, Monty and Jamie. And then of course we've got presenters like Helena Harris. Everybody knows Stalin Stable Helena Harris for her education for her design abilities and for her health benefits that for her horses. Um, this year's, the place is called Flag is at Farms, but we have the movement here. It's almost becoming a part of the theme at the farm now because movement is not only about 
it's a double entendre, isn't it? It's about movement away from violence and training and just better, more efficient ways to train horses, which are peaceful and gentle. But it's also about movement (laughs) on their feet. Horses literally move more in the kind of stabling that we're coming up with. It's movement stabling. and, And it's smart because we're using computers that are feeding machines too to keep horses moving around, mulling around. And so we're going to be introducing a lot of these ideas that have been 20 years over in Europe, but not here. There's thousands, tens of thousands of machines in Europe that are feeding machines that get horses, their equine behaviorally designed to get horses moving around and in and out of their stables. But there's about three in the United States, which is not very many. So we're going to double that. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I said, where else are they? And he said, well, they're sprinkled throughout Europe and everything too. And there's one in Japan. And I went, excuse me, there's one in Japan. (laughs) Why is that? And he said, well, it was a German lady who moved and she wouldn't be without her machine. So she took one to Japan with her. Well, there's going to be all kinds of really interesting, unique stuff coming up. Are you going to be offering any audio or video of it that people can sign up for after the fact this year? Yes, we did that. We started that pretty early on. I think we've videoed every single one of them. It became super important on our COVID year on 2020, didn't it? We we went live streaming, but we filmed that as well. So yes, we have a Vimeo that is put up shortly after the event wraps up. We just have to edit it and put it back up there so on Vimeo. If somebody can't make it to California, but wants yep. to partake, how do they make sure they can get that video feed? Where do they go? Thank you. Thank you. If you go to MontyRoberts.com and look at the tabs on the top, there is, um, there's the movement. And that's one of the top tabs uh, over there by adopt, which is part of our Mustang and transition horse program. But under the movement, it's a drop down. You'll see the movement 2022. That's about us now. And then past events. And if you click on past events, you'll see. Okay. So past events won't be there till this is the movement is over. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. You're going to have to talk to your friends that went first and find out what happened. (laughs) And then you'll wait for the video to get up. So we just, Janine is a very hardworking uh, videographer who does all our uni lessons as well, does all our filming and she will be filming and editing it. So if you're here, say hi to Janine and Wayne, her husband. And if they're sparring back and forth a little bit, their husband and wife. So there you go. (laughs) You'll recognize they're wonderful. They're creative. They're amazing people. And they work hard to get that back out there as quickly as possible. Cool. Well, we're going to get right to our guests after we hear a little bit from our title sponsor, Hands On Gloves. Well, I'm sitting here today with Jay Michelson of Hands On Gloves. And we were talking today about the horse that has sensitive skin or the animal that has sensitive skin, Jay. And I wanted you to help me address that a little bit. I know you've got some features to your products, but I know you know more about it than I do. So what do you do? What do you say to the, the owner that has somebody with sensitive skin? Our gloves are made from surgical grade nitrile. So that makes them chemical-resistant, mildew-resistant, because you can bathe with them, too. They're made to get wet. But across the board, there's no latex in them. So it's great for any animal, any people that have latex issues. There's no latex in it. They're just your hands. And if you have a thin-skinned horse or dog, they're, they're cats, other animals. There are many animals that don't like to be touched in certain areas 
But having the gloves on, it's just your hands. You get immediate feedback if you get to an area of that animal that is sensitive. And you can apply less pressure in those areas, and you can apply more pressure in the other areas. We have professional grooms that work from us. They groom for Olympians across the board, and these guys are phenomenal. And they did a study on mainly thoroughbreds, thin-skinned thoroughbreds, Mm -hmm. and they found out that most people are grooming too light. (laughs) Oh, interesting. They're tickling the, the horses and went in and applied just a little more pressure, and the horses loved it. Uh-huh. And that's kind of some of our experience with it. We we have all kinds of animals and experience with that. I think you can throw these in the wash machine. Am I right? You can. Next time you bathe your animals with them, use the gloves. A little bit of soap suds up all the way. And what we do after we bathe our animals with them, we rinse them off, hang them out to dry, and they go back to new. You can throw them in the washing machine. Just don't put them in the dryer. Just throw them in the washing machine, hang them out to dry, and they go back to new. Well, Jay, how do people find out about you? Handsongloves.com. Stephanie Maseko is the Vice President of Marketing and Product Development at Briar. From earliest memory, Stephanie's known a passion for horses that steered her personal and professional lives. And it all started with a briar. Now, for over 25 years, Stephanie's extensive horse world knowledge and marketing sense have been assets to Briar's growth, evolution, and commitment to quality. At Briar, Stephanie oversees a wide-ranging responsibilities, including Briarfest, social media, direct-to-consumer e-commerce sales, and collector's programs, plus relationships with horse owners and the artists. Besides riding, Stephanie will be personally in the saddle at Briarfest's opening ceremonies, welcoming her fans. She also is a competitive runner, and she runs triathlons. Last summer, Stephanie completed her first 70.3 half Ironman triathlon in Maine, finishing the top 10 for her age group. Go, Stephanie. In 2021, Briar was honored with the Equine Industry Vision Award by Zoetis in partnership with American Horse Publications, an award given annually to recognize outstanding leadership, creativity, and meritorious contributions toward positive changes in the equine industry. Well, welcome, Stephanie Maseko, Vice President and Marketing of Briar. And there are so many questions I have. How are you? Oh, I'm doing wonderful, and it's great to be on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for allowing. I know you're getting kind of cranked up now. Here we are, mid-June or so, and you've got Briarfest on the 15th through the 17th. Am I right in Kentucky? Yeah, 15th through the 17th of July, and we are definitely in the thick of it right now. We have about 10 to 12 tractor-trailer loads of event materials and model horses and all kinds of things that are going to be leaving not too long after July 4th. So my team is really pedaled to the metal in trying to get everything organized, but we're super excited about being back at the Kentucky Horse Park yeah. for the first time uh, since 2019 because of the COVID situation over the last two years. Right, right. COVID set it down, but you didn't set it Briarfest down. You went online, which is pretty cool too. And so this year, the unique thing that I thought was brilliant is that you're going to have it both online and in person. How'd you pull that off? Are you going to be like online for hours and hours and hours or just segments? No, what we're doing is, so when we had to pivot in, it was actually about March 
beginning of April of 2020, when COVID first started, we said, okay, how can we take all the great elements of Briarfest, all the introduction of the different horse breeds and yeah. um, the horses that we've made models of and workshops and seminars and everything from painting model horses to making miniature tack and all of those things. How can we bring that to our audience, even if they're just attending from their own homes virtually? And we were able to put together super robust Briarfest virtual in both 2020 and then an expanded version in 2021, which was super successful. And when we last year got over 120 countries participating, we realized, oh my gosh, even when we're on site back in Kentucky, we have to have um, the opportunity to invite everyone worldwide to still participate in Briarfest. So we knew we needed to have a virtual event alongside and as a big part of our on-site event in Kentucky. So the broadcast studio that we had last year with our host Kimber is going to be basically in the heart of Briarfest. And we'll have roving reporters and camera people all over the event covering everything from our model horse show to the autographs and meet and greets with the real horses that we'll be introducing at Briarfest. We'll also have coverage of our live auction. And then we have an evening spectacular featuring Sylvia Zerbini. And all of that will be something that if you're not able to make it to Kentucky, you can still buy a ticket to our virtual event and still feel like you're a part of everything that's happening in Kentucky this year. That is so cool. So before we get off, I want to find out how do we do that? How do we go online and get that? Now, everybody go get a pencil because you're going to have to write this stuff down. (laughs) Because if you're stuck in, uh, you know, Hawaii, oh darn, you're going to want to know how to get on there. And yeah, and I want to have, Sylvia did, Serbini did an event here too at Flags at Farms. Um, We're in Solvang, California, so long way from Kentucky. She gets around and she did a beautiful job. She's so kind to her horses. They love her. So people need to get there and see her in person if you are your anywhere near Kentucky, which could be Florida or California, you know, get there. So it's going to be fun. I I just, I'm so jacked about what you guys have done over how long is, I mean, you're 33 years. For Briarfest, it's 33 years. For, um, For Briar Model Horses, it is, I think we're in our 73rd year. Yes. So it is really amazing. Briar started, well, actually 72nd, that's right, because Briar started in 1950. And so what's really cool about Briarfest is we get lots of families that come, whether they're there because, oh my gosh, we want to be there for the Briar models, or, oh my gosh, we want to be there for all the equine entertainment, or, oh my gosh, we want to be there because the Kentucky Horse Park is beautiful and, and we want to have a day with our family in the country. It's It's been the perfect location and we get lots of generations of families who, like moms or even grandparents who had Briar as a kid from the 50s, 60s, and 70s, now sharing it with their um, kids and grandkids. And so it's a real hands-on with horses uh, family-type festival. So it's something where if you just have an interest in animals or especially a love of horses, you're going to have a great time. Because yeah. you have so many things going on. How could you miss anything with horse in the name? Uh, so uh, did you go to Briarfest when you were a kid? Funny enough, I was in, I was graduating college the first year Briarfest was held. And my friend Tanya and I actually did go to Kentucky and attended that very first Briarfest. And it Tell was really, it. really fun. Yeah, yeah was it? <laughs> I mean, it was 
Was it as fun it, as you expected was, to blow your mind? Well, it was, it was, well, you know, it was very interesting because it was actually, it was very, relatively speaking now, certainly very small. There were maybe five, 600 people total over the course of, I think it was two days, maybe. There were some workshops for model horse related things like making venture pack, as I mentioned, or model horse showing. There, I believe there was an auction that year. And there was a celebration horse, but the horse wasn't actually there. That was Bruce Davidson's Dr. Peaches. And so there were all these different little activities and things that that was really interesting to see and really fun. And at that time, actually, that was held during the summer. And then I eventually ended up working for the American Horse Shows Association in New York City in their marketing and PR department. And funny enough, Briar in, I believe it was 1991, the second year of Briar Fest, became a sponsor of the Junior Equestrian of the Year Award at AHSA. And I got to attend Briar Fest then on behalf of AHSA <laughs> and the sponsorship. Oh. So my history with the event does go back to the very beginning and when I joined Briar after working at the HSA for several years and whatnot, there was an opportunity for an editor of Just About Horses magazine, which is the Briar publication. And I applied for the position and came on board here. And within my first uh, six months of working on the magazine, suddenly I was in charge of Briar Fest as well, which was a surprise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and... Uh, but it was really kind of fun. And and so for my first guest at the time, this was in the 90s, I tracked down John Lyons and we were able to have his famous Appaloosa Bright Step be our Briarfest model that particular year. So it was really fun. But yeah, my my personal history does go back a, a, a pretty long time with well, Briarfest. Yeah, to your credit, it's really grown and it's really become such a, well, now international a force to be reckoned with, which is really fun. But certainly, it's just on the tip of the tongue of anybody who knows what Briar is. And as you said, it's been around for 70 years, too. So let's get into the theme a little bit and what people will see when they get there, too. So what's the theme this year? Prost, <laughs> which yeah. means cheers in German. So we, every year, we've done everything from a Denim and Diamond theme to a Hollywood Heroes theme to Horse Heroes, Off to the Races. We've done so many different types of themes, but we've also done several countries like British Invasion and Viva La France and whatnot. So we this year decided um, to go with the German theme because, of course, there are some fabulous German Warmbloods and the Black Forest Horse, which is a really unique German breed. And our celebration horse this year is actually a German riding pony. And Bridget Everill, who sculpted many of Breyer's well-known dressage horses, such as Totalis and Salonero, the model that's being used for Briar Fest for Nicholas. So we're really excited because it's a debut of a new sculpture and it's a German riding pony and Lauren Chumley, who trains him. She is just really great to work with. She also rides Avatar's Jasmine, who's a Morgan that's coming to Briarfest and is a Briar model. So she's worked with a lot of these breeds that are a bit on the smaller side, but super athletic and really fun to work with. So with our German-related theme, of course, we we have the horses. We have a, a beer garden that's going to be at Briarfest. We also have musicians and dancers. So 
What we try to do is at the event, there, of course, the, the most important thing are horses and model horses and lots of activities associated with them. We also have pony rides and a petting zoo, and we have jump offs for kids. We have hundreds of kids who participate in like a, a jumping event where they themselves are doing the jumping. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then we also have a theme that then we have elements of the event where it becomes really fun to celebrate whether it's a particular country or culture or what have you. So we're highlighting Germany this year, and it's been super fun to pull together all of the different elements yeah, cool. for it. And you're going to be riding, I heard, too. So what saddle do you put up? And what kind of briar, <laughs> briar live briar that you're going to be on? What do you ride? Well, actually, I am, you know, my partner for, oh gosh, I would say, I think little Ricky Rocker had come to Briarfest for 17 years, believe it or not. He was oh. a leopard Appaloosa who we also had made a briar model of, and his owners from Ohio, the Georgies, were always super generous and let me ride Ricky in every opening ceremonies. And at the age of, oh gosh, I'm trying to think. He was somewhere in his mid-20s. He did cross the Rainbow Bridge last uh, year. So I'm not sure, actually, who I am going to be working with this year. Hey, so stay it'll tuned. Be, it'll be a fun surprise. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're excited. We've got one little interaction that you and I have been working on, too, is we're having an event here a week in a week here, um, we're actually June 17 and, and 18, and it's called the movement. It's our fifth annual, so we got a ways to catch up with. You. But but we're proud of our fifth annual, and we'll have kind of representation from three briar horses here because we will have checkers live and in person here who's uh, Mark Bolander's mountain trail champion that won three world championships and so he's going to be I think he's going to bring some briar checkers too because we're going to have a little silent auction we also have Tempe T Templeton Thompson Tempe is coming to sing for us from Nashville on Friday night so that's our Saturday night kind of special like you guys have, but Tempe owns Jane. And some people will know Jane as a briar horse as well. So we've got a NIB, a new in the box briar that she's going to sign. And the and then the last one is our ancient and wonderful 29-year-old shy boy who was a briar oh my in the 90s. He's doing so great, Stephanie. You would be so proud of him. He just looks shiny, and I saw him kicking and farting the other day. It was just wonderful. Yeah, he still loves everybody and all the attention, so we have got a briar of his as well, and Dad will sign that for him, of course, <laughs> Monty. And That, um, that is that is so fun. I was going to ask you how old he was because that was an awfully long time ago, and I'm so excited to hear he's doing so well. Oh, we are too. Last year, we saw a little Cushing starting to, uh, you know, but we've got him all fixed up, and he is just shiny, and the hair came off, and he just looks great. And so, yeah, so we're going to have Checkers meet Shy Boy, and we're going to have a little surprise at, at our event too. So look at us. We're getting all this stuff together here. But here's the last thing I wanted to close with too, because here's a call to action. Besides everybody's got to go to Briarfest that has any interest in going to Kentucky and or online to see a wonderful tradition for horses. And what a great way that we're perpetuating our industry of horses is to get the kids involved in horses and the thrill of all the different breeds really young in life. But in yeah. this 33 years, 
I just learned that there has never been a Briar nominated for the National Toy Hall of Fame. But not only that, I mean, Barbie's in there, Mario games in there, kites are in there, not even a horse has been in the Toy Hall of Fame. How do we change that up? What do we do to put a little bug in their ear about that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, nominations are happening. Essentially, if you Google Toy Hall of Fame nominations, it'll take you to the Strong Museum, which houses the, the Toy Hall of Fame, and they have a nomination form. And it's really simple. There's just, you fill out just a few things, and then uh, there's a box where you put in why you think Briar uh, would deserve to be in the Toy Hall of Fame. And of course, from our perspective, so many of us have been uh, inspired to be a part of the horse industry because of Briar. I mean, I actually was one of those kids who, growing up in Stratford, Connecticut, I didn't really have horses right in my backyard because there really were no farms. I had to go out to Easton, Connecticut, and a couple of other areas that were a little more country. So while I loved horses, my mom satisfied that by getting me briar horses. And so that really sparked that. And of course, reading, and I started drawing horses and all that. My love for the industry and drove me to go to college for an equine science degree and then intern at the American Horses Association and lead me to where I am today. And my story is not uncommon to be inspired by what Briar, what I feel Briar teaches, which is all the different cultures that develop these different breeds and all of the tack and saddlery and the, the uses of the horses and, and all of these fun and great things. And of course, just celebrating the spirit of the horse and the relationships that we have with these magnificent animals. And so nominating for the Toy Hall of Fame, I just feel Briar should be represented on behalf of the horse industry. And the fact that these horses have been an important toy for so many of us and almost kind of a rite of passage for girls. Every girl goes through that phase where they love horses and, and we do whatever we can to try and inspire and keep them within the horse industry and show the moms that horses aren't necessarily dangerous, dirty, and too expensive. There are ways to enjoy real horses and, and get involved that every family can do. So that's really, that's kind of one of our, our sort of inspiring missions in life. And uh, so, yeah, if we can get into the Toy Hall of Fame, I think that would be just uh, great publicity for the horse world in general, of course, as well as Briar. So, okay. Um, Everybody's been deputized to get out there. And so, Google it, Google the National Toy Hall of Fame, and you'll find there a, a place to put their comments in. Is that it? Yes. Yep. Okay. If it's a Toy Hall of Fame nomination, then that'll bring you to a link to go to the website, which is museumofplay.org. And then if you're interested in Briarfest, briarhorses.com, okay. click on events. Of course, our big banner is right there with Briarfest. And we have everything from an all-access ticket, which uh, gets you a traditional size model of Nicholas, our featured horse, as well as admission to the park, the ability to purchase certain special editions, all the workshops and seminars. You also get admission to the two museums on site and the museum at the Kentucky Horse Park. And we have lots of shopping that's happening as well. We have some Equus Film Festival showings that are happening during the weekend. We have a lot of YouTubers coming and, you know, a lot of the kids who are on social media, which is really fun, 
and adults. And then we have a general admission ticket. So the all access is $80. It also includes the evening show with Sylvia Zerbini. That's a 75 minute show in the Alltech Arena. General admission is a $25 ticket and it comes with a special edition stable mate. And then virtually, there's an all-access and then there is a virtual stablemates ticket at 55 and 25, respectively. So we have something for everyone. And yep. if you go to the website, you'll learn more. Okay. So that's briarhorses.com. Correct. Right? Yes. Good. Stephanie, thank you so much for being on Horsemanship Radio. That was really fun. And I can't wait to hear all the stories that unfold from your 33 years. That's amazing. I know. It's so wonderful. Well, thank you so much for having me on and good luck with your event coming up in the next week. Thank you. Hi, Debbie. I just had to write and tell you how much I'm enjoying Monty's podcast on Horsemanship Radio. You and Monty and your podcast guests are my company every evening while I'm feeding, cleaning, and finishing up barn chores for the day. I especially enjoyed the recent podcast 158 because so many of the guys that Monty talked about, and especially Greg Ward, were heroes of mine when I was growing up. It was really fun to be a fly on the wall listening to Monty recount all those stories. And I also enjoyed his discussion with Tanya Johnston about the deer and Sigmotaxis. Thanks for all the great information you and your dad are spreading throughout the world. And thanks for making the time doing my barn chores, no chore at all. All the best, Nan Meek. Sharon Jansen has called San Luis Obispo County her home since attending Cal Poly San Luis Obispo and graduating with a degree in ag business management. Her writing experience started in the Pony Club with a little hunter jumper thrown in, branched out into eventing, and then to dressage. All of this was done mostly on the back of a Connemara. <laughs> she also has shown Arabians in dressage and is now enjoying applying dressage principles to a Rocky Mountain horse. Sharon has explored many trail rides throughout the county and continues to get out and relish the wonder of San Luis Obispo County. Well, welcome, Sharon Jansen. I'm so glad to have you on Horsemanship Radio. We've never had you on yet, but you and I have been sort of related to trail and horses for several years now. How are you? I'm doing great, and it's a pleasure to be with you today, Debbie. It's my pleasure to get some great facts and figures from you because you are the central, I think, I'm going to name you anyway, the expert in the central coast of California for trail riding and a lot of things actually about the the person who owns a horse and maybe a couple of acres. I've learned from you so many different things from you taking up uh, horseback archery and you take us through your evolution. You have a wonderful, I guess you would call it an e-newsletter because I don't know that you print it. It's all online, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Called Slow Horse News, which I love the double entendre. It's San Luis Obispo, which is slow. Correct. <laughs> San Luis <Yeah>. Obispo horse <laughs> news. So it's everything San Luis Obispo County, but honestly, I'm in Santa Barbara County and I know a few people in Ventura County who might know you as well. <laughs> so you get yes. you really and, do get them down the coast, don't you? Yes. And I also get them, I get people from actually all over the United States and the world. I had someone recently contact me who's in West Virginia. So it's San Luis Obispo County and beyond, but I would say the majority of my audience is, they are San Luis Obispo County residents or those who are 
close enough to access the trails and whatnot here. So well, that makes um, perfect that's sense. Gonna, yeah. Yeah, because you've really crisscrossed the trails. So you have a guide. And that's one of the things I wanted to talk about too today, which there's groups and groups of girlfriends <laughs> who love to throw, throw a few horses in a trailer and go find some amazing sites. And I, I would love to have you describe every one of them because there's some spectacular beach to mountaintop kind of experiences around here. But we're so happy that you put a guide together that gives us a lot of information. Tell us a little bit about that. Did you do that sort of as self-defense because people kept asking you or what did you do? Um I, well, I saw it as a need. I saw mm-hmm. that there are a lot of people in this county who wanted to know where the various trails are. And fortunately, I'm very well connected to my friend Beverly Poorman, who is part of the Slowpost, so San Luis Obispo Outdoor uh, Trails System. <laughs> Anyhow, she... She has been, she's been my guide really on where to go on horse trails and is in many of my pictures, of course. And so just seeing that there is a need for a guide like that, there's hiking guides, there's travel guides, but there's no horse trail guide. And I'm actually expanding that idea. And I'm um, in the process of developing what I'm calling itineraries, where someone who wants to come into the area and know where to stay, know where to, where the horse can stay on short-term basis, know who the vets are, know who the farriers are, have access to emergency numbers, feed stores, tax stores, things like that. So they could know where they could know they could come to this county and have the information that they need to have the best horse vacation possible. And so I've broken it up into South County. And then San Luis Obispo and the coast, which would be San Luis Obispo plus Montana de Oro and Morro Bay. And then there's the North County where you're going to have your vineyard riding. And there's just a lot of great places up there, the riverbed. So the itineraries are broken up into three different sections. And it also enables San Luis Obispo residents to decide, well, I want to spend a weekend in North County or I want to spend a weekend in South County, or I want to spend a weekend on the coast. Where would I go? Where would I stay? Who can I contact? What if I have trouble? Who can help me? And so those are in the works. And it's been an idea for a while, but there's been things setting it back. And now I'm pushing forward and getting them. I'm getting the, I have all the information. I'm just getting it all written up. So those are coming. Yeah, your son got married. Congratulations. So I know that we, 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 follow, we follow you through the social medias. And now that you've got that passion, you <laughs> can get, get to work on this. It sounds so much fun. And it's a great inspiration for other areas. If you're listening to this from Vermont or something, you, you might just look into see. And we do have a lot of people come out here, even with their horses, as a destination spot. So, so I'm sure that's super helpful. Another thing that I wanted to talk to you about is because you're such a horse girl and we read your introduction as Rocky Mountain Horses and Connemaras and Seahorses. And I'm fascinated by and becoming more and more fascinated by how horses do well when they engage their brains, but also their bodies 
on the trail. And I think this, one of the things that's inspired me is that we have been, we started a program in 2020 called the Mustang and Transition Horse Program. And that is a way to retrain and repurpose these horses for adoption that are coming off the racetrack or coming out of the holding pens or whatever. And we have we have been using our mountain trail now um, right here at Flag is Up Farms to at first I thought it was going to be a desensitizing frankly <laughs> that you mm-hmm. you got to get them in a pond you've got to get them on a bridge this is going to be a mm-hmm. while but it turned out that they are so engaged that they go out there excited but pretty soon they kind of knuckle down and they get fascinated by the obstacles, I guess. And these are horses that are out in the pasture. I'm not talking about stalled horses that don't get out at all. I'm talking about, Mm -hmm. that's the first thing we do is turn them out in the pasture to be a horse. So I would love to hear about your experiences about watching horses become horses again when they get out on the trails. Yeah. So I grew up in Palisades and just to get to the arena, we had to ride the trail. And Palisades is a hill, similar, not to the Central Coast, where there's not a lot of flatland. And so our horses, just to get to the arena, had to go down a really steep hill and then, of course, come back up that on the way home. And so trail riding was just a part of life. And I rode an hour to Pony Club, had a two-hour Pony Club lesson, and rode an hour home every Saturday, gleefully doing that. And so um, coming here to the Central Coast and seeing all the variety of trails that we have, and, and you're right, there's ocean trails, there are vista trails, there are more backcountry-type trails, there are vineyard riding. It's, there's such a variety of things. But I do find I also come from a background that had more disciplined arena work, and the horses, they need that break. They need that mental break to be out of an arena and, and to learn to use their bodies in a in uneven ground on going up and down hills and it does refresh their mind and the I am two horses right now one is the Rocky Mountain and she's basically a trail horse but I do ride her in the arena and then we do get out and she's the things that I'm applying in the arena her dating her age the way she responds to me it's all enhanced outside on the beach on the trail. And so you can apply those lessons on the trail, but it's in a fresh new way and a way where the horse has to also be thinking about the environment that they're in and not get worried about this or that. And that's part of your horsemanship where you, they learn to trust you that yes, you can go forward. Yes, you can go over this log. Yes, you can go into this water. Yes, you can let the wave come and hit you on the legs. And so they, they learn to trust you. So you're your relationship with your horse just, it grows by volumes, by being able to take them to a variety of situations and watch them grow into being a more fully developed, fun horse to ride. Love that. I love that. Tell me how much in hand people do as maybe not only variety, but also prepping for horses to go through areas or obstacles or whatever. Yeah, so it's always since I've gotten older, <laughs> not yeah. as brave on the back, right? And so the in-hand work is a great way to introduce horses to a new obstacle or a new pathway where you're not having to be also fearful of how they might react and how it might impact you on the back. And also 
there's as we have understood more about groundwork, there's so much of that. We start on the ground, we teach them the basics, and we progress to be able to get on their back. Well, it's the same with starting them over a course of mountain trails that you will start them on the ground so that they they can think and work in hand in a safer manner for them and for you. And then when you are able to get up and apply your aids from the back, you've already got them through the first stage of what is required of me here or what am I supposed to walk over or I'm really supposed to walk over that. <laughs> and then you work that out on the ground and then they're more willing and confident and able when you're, you're mounted. Absolutely. That's great. Yeah, that's what we suspect. So I'm glad to hear it coming from you too. The The other thing too, maybe the most important too, is what it's doing for their bodies to be out. I mean, by that, I mean, building muscle by maybe even strengthening bone by certainly creating a more engaged horse out there too. What do you see? Uh, do you have friends join you who maybe have not done so much mountain trail or out on the trail and then you start to see their horses really blossom? Yeah. Well, I can use my little Philly as an example. She's just started under saddle and she's been going since, I guess, February, January, February, where we've been riding her regularly. And I have a younger guy doing the the dirty work yeah. <laughs> where there might be an issue because she did buck me off in August. Yeah. Anyhow, I did a lot of groundwork and then got him riding her. And so he takes her out on the trail and just watching her whole, her, her top line improve, her back muscles improve, her manner of going where she just, her, it improves her balance. And then also long, slow distance work. That's always going to be good for just keeping those bones nice and dense. And, and I also come from a combined training for the eventing type background. So I spent a lot of time with my competition horse I had in college. It was also a Connemara. You know, we had to schedule in our conditioning days. And so that was all done out actually in Morro Bay when the houses weren't there. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, would, we, I would do interval training where there would be a buildup and then you would have like eight minutes of a canter and then you'd go back, build back down and do seven minutes of a trot and then you'd walk and then you'd build it back up again. So you're, you were encouraging the body to get pushed, but not stressed and then come down to relax and regroup and then push it again. And then that was a, the, the least stressful way to condition a horse to be able to gallop over the cross country course and over the big fences. And so that, that same concept happens just in basic trail riding the long, slow distance work, the getting them to pick up their feet, going over logs and going through the water. That's swimming is a great exercise for them. So all of those, all those things the balancing, the muscle building, the brain development, and people have responded really well to our, to the story we did on the mountain trail horse. And this is a new up and coming idea that you can actually have an arena and have these obstacle courses planned out and use it as training, use it as just a way of getting outside. It's just another focus and the benefit people are starting to recognize as being really a good, great benefit. Yeah, I think so too. I, I don't know if it's just our aging horseback riding demographic. I don't think it is though. I think it's just <laughs> us getting wiser. Actually, I think in some ways it's us challenging ourselves to not just be a trail rider. In other words, it's not selfishly just for us to get out while the horse 
moves your body around. <laughs> it's actually yeah. kind of a challenge and exciting and for our horses too. Yes, yes. And when we as riders are engaged in the moment, and as you know, as you're riding, you can be riding down the trail and thinking of other things, but when you are really concentrating on communicating with your horse and getting it to go over obstacles or a new training thing or whatever it is, that's all you're able to focus on. And there's, and you're, so you're right in the moment. And that, that also brings just harmony and it just, it, it helps our own psyche when we can just block out the world, block out our issues and just focus right and the, on the moment at hand. Yeah. And so the mountain trail course is another way of riders experiencing that, just being so focused on the moment that all their other cares are just, they're just gone. Yeah, absolutely. That's why we do call it therapy, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> last thing, just because you've got so much depth and this is maybe just off the top of your head, what's one do on the trail and what's one don't maybe start with the don't what's the don't and the do you have to be courteous of if you're riding with others or if you're coming up against uh, up to other riders just be aware of how your horse is impacting others so if you're needing to trot or canter by you're going to that energy of your horse because horses are hurting animals and they don't want to get left behind that energy can really uh wreck somebody else's day Mm -hmm. and so you don't want to be running past them, or even if you're in a group and you, your horse is going faster, you know, that you're always going up against the horse in front of you, or you have this big space and you're leaving horses behind. So just being aware of your spacing and how your horse's energy is impacting those horses around it. That's good. So that would be a, a, a don't do that. And probably the best one would be make sure your horse is in condition and of course that takes going out on the trail but you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to tackle something like the pismo preserve although it's a beautiful ride it's all pills it's and so if your horse is not fit then that's not going to be good or enjoyable for the horse or for yourself and so make sure that your horse is fit taking on uh slower longer less variable grade trails to start with and then build up so that you can do things like the Pismo Preserve. That's brilliant. Yeah, that's so good. And people can just imagine what that looks like. It's a lot of hills and a beautiful vista and a beautiful scene. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you, Sharon Jansen, for being on Horsemanship Radio and giving us so much good background. We'd love to have you on again. Well, Debbie, it would be my pleasure to be here and I've enjoyed my day. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place and learn the magic in the language of the herd. Dear Monty, what do you do with a mare that pins her ears back when you feed her? Monty's answer. This is a phenomenon that is best described as territorial. Horses, like many other species, tend to protect their food. It is a response of survival. Horses that become aggressive in the stable at feeding time should never be fed this way. Instead, one should take the horse away from the stable, put the feed in the stall, and then return the horse to his or her box stall or corral with the feed already in place. Once the horse is in the stable and eating, one should respect the animal by leaving it alone. 
If you follow this recommendation for a sustained period of time, it is likely that this undesirable behavior will subside. If you continue bringing the feed to the animal's quarters, this aggressive behavior could escalate to a level that is extremely dangerous. Also, be sure to use the piece of good horsemanship, which requires us, when taking a horse into its box, always to turn the horse's head towards the door and release the horse only when one is at the door and the horse is fully in the loose box. Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged. On June 28th, Horsemanship 101, a really popular class, a one-day class, in July 11 through 23 is the long version of the introductory course of horsemanship. That's two weeks. Then we'll break it up into modular. So you can take the intro modular one from July 11 through 13 or the introductory course module two, 14 through 16 or 18 through 20 would be introductory course module three. That's the long lining course. So you have the Monty's methods, then the join up, and then the long lining. So they actually run concurrently. So you can take them as a part of a modular, or you can just stay with us on the two weeks. And hope that all makes sense. And then the introductory course module four is preparation for the intro exams. And you can find all of that and so much more at MontyRoberts.com. It's a really friendly, easy to navigate website that is chock-a-block full of good information. Unlike Dr. Google, the information you find on MontyRoberts.com is dependable. <laughs> Choco Block. I love that. Choco Block. I love Choco Block. And you can also find Monty's calendar and get your questions answered the old school way by calling Flag is Up Farms at 805-688-6288. And for details about today's show, go to horsemanshipradio.com where you can find links, photos, and more information about today's got topics and guests. And guess what? If you go to MontyRoberts.com, you're also going to find the podcasts. That's right. <laughs> you guys we make it so easy. It. Don't we? I, know, I think you've given us instruction. That's why we're, we're getting better. Try to make yeah. it easy. And we love your feedback. We love to hear from you and what you love about the show. We even love to hear about guest suggestions. And you're going to do all of yeah, that please. at mm-hmm. Facebook. Just look for Monty Roberts. It's the one with the little blue check mark. And Monty's handle on Twitter and Instagram is Monty underscore Roberts. And thanks to today's sponsors. And they are. Oh, they're hands on gloves. Hands down. And MontyRobertsUniversity.com. We love Jay at the hands on gloves.com. And he's coming out. I think. Tempe is actually a hands-on gloves sponsored too, just like us. And so if you're coming to the movement and listening to this, please come and shake their hands and say thank you for the hands-on gloves because there might be some glove giveaways coming up, but I'm not going to spoil any surprises. Be sure to visit all the other great shows on the Horse Radio Network too at www.horseradionetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours. 